Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, I'm going to be breaking down the latest technical analysis as Bitcoin dominance hits a three-month high as hammered altcoins risk a dive. And check it out, 94.8% of the Bitcoin supply has not moved in the past month, which is a new all-time high. And quoting Max Kaiser, the high priest of Bitcoin, when killing becomes more profitable to financiers than living, expect more killing until the value of human life rises to the point above the profit bankers make killing. And additionally, there are no ideologies, religions, ethics, morals, or justifications for any violence in this pure fiat money, valueless world we live in. There are only terrorists, thieves, and money printers on all sides. Max also says that since 2009, all state violence by all states is caused by people who are too lazy to spend a few hours studying Bitcoin per each. Now check this out, the Bitcoin price rally. Is it in doubt? I'll be breaking down the latest Bitcoin on-chain data as well. And breaking news just in, ex-girlfriend Caroline Ellison says the FTX founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, directed her to commit those crimes. That's right. She just testified against SBF. I'll be breaking this down for you, as well as the judge siding with Ripple again, denying the SEC appeal. I'll be breaking this down, as well as Ethereum Foundation is under attack, selling 1700 Ethereum. Cost them this much. And as I tweeted, Satoshi never moved a single Bitcoin of his 1.1 million BTC stash. Meanwhile, Ethereum co-founders and the ETH Foundation continuing dumping vast amounts of ETH, which, by the way, has an infinite max supply, according to Coin Market Cap. I'm also going to be sharing with you Fidelity, the second largest asset manager in the world that controls $4.5 trillion in assets under management, has over 43 million investors. They just published a new report explaining why investors Investors should buy Bitcoin. I'm also going to be sharing with you their $1 billion Bitcoin price prediction by the year 2038. We'll also be taking a look at the overall crypto market. All this plus so much more in today's show. Yo, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost a video show. So if you want the full premium experience with video, visit my YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Welcome, everyone. This is pod episode number 1427. I'm your host, JV. Today is October 10th, 2023. And as always, we have lots to cover. So let's dive right in with our market watch. As you can see here on your screen, the overall crypto market is correcting and in the red with a handful in the green and checking out coin market cap the crypto market cap sits just above 1 trillion dollars but roughly 23 and a half billion in volume in the past 24 hours bitcoin dominance has been 
on the rise now at 50.2% with the Ether dominance dumping at 17.7% along with the Ethereum Foundation and Ethereum co-founders dumping their ETH. Very interesting. Something's at play. We're going to be discussing this a little later. Uh, so as you can see, the top gainers in the past 24 hour, Tezos is the top gainer up 6.5% trading just under 70 cents, followed by Thorchain up 3.5% trading at $1.68, followed by Clayton up 3% trading just above 12 cents. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers of the past week. Again, mostly a sea of red, but we do have a handful in the green. XTZ, the largest gainer, up 6.4%. And we also have Rune, up 3.4%, which alts are you currently bullish on FAM? Let me know. And checking out the Crypto Greed and Fear Index, this is interesting. We're currently rated at a 50 which is neutral the same as yesterday and the same as last week. And last month, we were a 40 in fear. So there you have it. How many of you have been taking advantage of this recent Bitcoin price dip? Let me know in the comments. And shout out to everyone in the live chat. Let me know where you're tuning in from. And if you have any questions throughout the show, you know we addressed all the questions during our live Q&A session, which I'm looking forward to. Now let's dive into today's Bitcoin technical analysis and check out the charts where the Bitcoin price action is likely to go next. Let's break it down. Bitcoin uh, ground higher October 10th after the start of the legacy market trading saw de-risking takeover. As you can see here, the Bitcoin one hour candle chart data from Cointelegraph and TradingView showed Bitcoin price stability returning ahead of the Wall Street open with the Bitcoin bulls who had lost their footing as the week began with Bitcoin heading to 27.3 before reversing to trade near 27.7 at this time. Quoting the analysts here, overall, there's been a lot of market de-risking into 27.4 to 27.3. And he's says, important area now because losing that level would take the price back to the one-week demand. And more importantly, around here into tomorrow, buyers need to establish the price control for a move higher. And he also says it's better to see what the spot markets wants later. Bitcoin, as you can see, price is very much correlated to perp involvement. Positions are chasing the market. It's better to see what spot market once later. Let me know if you agree or disagree with the analyst. And quoting another analyst by the name of uh, Mikhail Van de Pop, he says that Bitcoin is able to break back above 28,000. The thesis, the 35 to 40,000, might become real. And he previously made a post predicting that most likely the path towards 30,000 is going to start from here, as he outlines right here in this chart. Now let's discuss the alts, which are taking, uh, you know, the the brunt of this uh, dump. Altcoins, uh, the picture remains in Bitcoin's favor as the Bitcoin dominance continues to overtake the altcoin market. Bitcoin's share of the overall crypto market cap hit 51.35% yesterday, October 9th, marking its highest levels since mid-July. And my question for all of you, how high do you think the Bitcoin dominance is likely to climb for this cycle high? Do you think we can potentially hit 60 or 70%? Let me know. Uh, quoting Crypto Tony, a lot of altcoins looking like they're breaking the major supports zones and bringing us some juicy short-term entries. And as he outlines here, Bitcoin update, Bitcoin continues to range as we bounce off the support zone yesterday. I remain long until we lose 27,200, which I then look to short down. So there you have it. That's the latest uh, analysis. And as I pointed out here, 94.8% of the Bitcoin supply has not moved in the past month. A new all-time high. Where my long-term hodlers at? Make some noise. And shout out to Max Kaiser, the high priest of Bitcoin. He is 
preaching, lots of facts. Someone earlier tweeted, why would stocks jump on another world war? Because the world's stock markets run on Jerome Powell's giant counterfeiting machine, which we all know is fact. And Max responded, when killing becomes more profitable to the financiers than living, expect more killing until the value of human life rises to the point above the profit bankers make killing. Additionally, there are no ideologies, religions, ethics, morals, or justifications for any violence in this pure fiat money, valueless world we live in. There are only terrorists, thieves, and money printers on all sides. Bitcoin fixes this. Only El Salvador and President Bukele get it. And he also tweeted right here. Uh, this dude was breaking down on TV. I guess his name is Kirby. They say Kirby crying on TV. And he wrote, tell me you don't know anything about Bitcoin without telling me you don't know anything about Bitcoin. The fact is, since 2009, all the state violence by all the states is caused by people who are too lazy to spend a few hours studying Bitcoin. And here was my tweet of the day. The only two true sides in this are peace, which is Bitcoin, and war, which is fiat, unplug from their corrupt fiat matrix with Bitcoin and stop supporting our suppressors by stop using their banking cartels responsible for the laundering of their blood money, funding wars, and various other depopulation events. There you have it, fam. It's a very interesting time we're living in in this world, and there's never any justification for war. But you know, fiat money printing creates war. It funds war. And look what's happening over in El Salvador, the only country or one of the few out there, and the first one to make Bitcoin a legal tender. They transform from being considered the most dangerous place in the world when it comes to murders to becoming the safest in all of the Americas, which is quite interesting. And that's a complete 180. So you got to give respect where respect is due. And it shows you Bitcoin monetizes peace and love. So we need to make more countries adopt Bitcoin as the legal tender. And then maybe we can change the world. We shall see. Now let's break down the latest Bitcoin on-chain data specifically and check out what the market is doing as there seems to be patterns floating around. Here we go. Uh, Bitcoin's more speculative investor cohorts continue to come in for scrutiny this year as the price action experiences a variety of diverging environments. The spot price is currently circling the aggregate cost basis for the so-called short-term hodlers defined as entities holding a given amount of Bitcoin for 155 days or less. Now, CryptoQuant revealed that the realized cap of coins, which last moved 24 hours and one month ago, has collapsed in the recent months. That's right. The realized cap refers to the combined value here in U.S. dollars of a specific group of Bitcoins used in transactions. Tracking the total value of the one-day to one-month cohort can give insights into the broader Bitcoin price action, quoting CryptoQuant. In my view, this data set effectively reflects Bitcoin's market price fluctuations. It represents recently acquired coins before they became long-term hodlings or are continually traded in the short term. Now, in late 2022, when Bitcoin fell to two-year low, the one-day-to-one-month cohort's realized cap fell below $20 billion. And when Bitcoin peaked at just below $32,000 in July, the realized cap topped out at more than double, around $44 billion. Now, this shows the figure has now retreated back to those bear market levels, recovering slightly to still hover near the $20 billion mark. Quoting them here, the current change in this data in blue and green, as outlined in this chart, shows an inconsistent recovery, partly due to the general market sentiment, including macro economic and geopolitical issues. So there you have it. Now let's discuss the Bitcoin newbies should not expect 
return of quarter one gains, according to the analysts. 20 billion has in fact formed a broad floor for the one day to one month group since September last year. But moving forward, a stronger bounce should be viewed as unlikely, quitting him again. The market will likely remain uncertain if these data don't show significant positive trends from now until the year's end. The volatility will be unpredictable, so the newcomers should not expect continuous and strong price increases as in the first half of this year. That's right, we're already up roughly 100% from the bottom in the fourth quarter of last year when we touched 15,700, right? Now, similar conclusions can be drawn from the percentage of the aggregate realized cap accounted for the one day to one month coins as outlined right here in this chart. Now, before I break down next story of the day, I just want to welcome everyone to the live show and say we're here seven days a week, 365 days per year. This is live broadcasted all around the world. Not only are we live on YouTube right now, we're live on Rumble. We're also syndicated across all the major podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. So I just want to say I greatly appreciate all the continued support. And I recently launched a new channel called Clips, where I'm sharing daily lives and shorts taken from the daily live stream exclusive on the new channel. The new channel can be found at clips.cryptonewsalerts.net. So I just wanted to throw that out there. We also have the Espanol channel now where all the videos are dubbed 100% in Spanish. And that can be found at espanol.cryptonewsalerts.net. So you can see we are growing and I'm loving it. All right, now for the latest with the uh, the Grippe from Mississippi, Caroline Ellison versus SBF. She is uh, basically uh, in the court trial testifying against him. Here's the latest developments of what was recently shared, as I shared here, breaking news. Ex-girlfriend Caroline Ellison says that FTX founder SBF directed her to commit the crimes. Obviously, they're throwing each other under the bus here. So here's the latest developments coming uh, from Cointelegraph here. Former FTX CEO Bankman Freed watched from the defense table as his former business associate and girlfriend Caroline Ellison testified at his criminal trial, according to the reports from the courtroom yesterday, or actually today, October 10th, Ellison admitted to fraud during her time at Alameda under SBF's direction. The former Alameda CEO reportedly placed the blame for misuse of the FTX user funds directly under SBF, claiming he set up the systems, leading to Alameda taking roughly $14 billion from the exchange. Quoting her here, Alameda took several billions of dollars from FTX customers and used it for investments. According to Ellison, so reports, I sent balance sheets that made Alameda look less risky than it really was. Ellison met Bankman Freed through their jobs at Jane Street Capital, with SBF convincing her to leave the investment firm and join his crypto-focused endeavors. Reports have suggested the two had largely been out of contact following the collapse of FTX in November of 2022. And as Tiffany Fong shares here, Sam Bankman Freed included this photo with Caroline Ellison in a document he sent me, noting that she was wicked smart, but deeply insecure. Now, Caroline, as you know, is testifying against him all throughout the week, so we'll see how this unfolds. Ellison's relationship with SBF is one of the issues central to the allegations facing the former CEO. He was in charge of the crypto exchange while she led the team at Alameda. Bankman Freed's fraud charges are based on his directing Alameda to access the FTX user funds without the customer's consent, which he used for purchases, including property and donations to political campaigns. FTX co-founder and former chief technology officer Gary Wang took the stand 
October 5th as one of the first witnesses for prosecutors claiming he committed crimes with Ellison and former engineering director Nishad Singh. And on cross-examination of Wang, SBF's attorneys seem to be attempting to shift some of the blame for the exchange's collapse to Ellison, questioning the former chief technology officer on her role. Now, in opening arguments, the defense claim she ignored Bankman-Fried's request to put a hedge on Alameda Investments. Now, Ellison and Wang were some of the first FTX and Alameda insiders to plead guilty as part of an agreement with U.S. authorities for her testimony. It's unclear whether Bankman-Fried will take the stand as part of his defense strategy. What's your thoughts? Do you think he will take the stand and testify during the trial? The former Alameda Research CEO's testimony marked the fifth day of the SBF criminal trial, where he faces seven fraud-related charges and has pleaded not guilty to all of the charges and is expected to appear in a second criminal trial starting in March of 2024. So there you have it. That's a beautiful thing. Anyways, we finished the Caroline Ellison story. She's going to be testifying all week in court, so I'll be keeping you posted up to date with the latest developments as they are announced. And now let's break down our next story of the day, and that's the latest with the Ripple XRP appeal, the judge denied the SEC again. So another major L for No Clarity Gary and the SEC. Let's break this baby down shall we? And welcome again, y'all just joining us. October 3rd, United States District Court Judge Judge Torres rejected the U.S. SEC's motion to appeal its loss against Ripple Labs, the company behind the XRP crypto. Torres denied the SEC's motion, claiming the regulator failed to meet the burden to show that there were controlling questions of law or substantial grounds for differences of opinion on the matter. The regulator appealed against the court's July decision declaring the retail sales of XRP did not not meet the legal definition of a security. It failed the Howey test. The SEC argued there was substantial ground for differences of opinion on the laws at hand. And immediately after the SEC appeal was rejected, the XRP price surged nearly 6%. However, the decision isn't an outright loss for the regulator as Judge Torres scheduled a trial for April 23rd, which is, uh, hmm, I guess that's a uh, second quarter of next year to address the remaining issues of the case. Crypto lawyers are seemingly divided over the significance of the court order, while many lawyers and commentators chalk the decision up to a substantial win for Ripple. In its case against the regulator, other experts have urged the public to temper their enthusiasm. We have Bill Hughes, a lawyer at blockchain firm Consensus, who told Cointelegraph the rejection of the SEC's appeal was something he expected, explaining that it's not typical for such an appeal to make it through during this part of the trial, quitting him here. The court says that Torres's ruling is limited to this case. Frankly, that's fine for the SEC if they don't mind one case not telling you much about the next. Now, uh, I already shared with you some of the updates with the SBF trial, so we're going to skip this section. And now let's discuss the Hong Kong forming a crypto task force. That's right. Operation Crypto Choke Point 2.0, whatever you want to call it, seems very clear if you ask me. But we do know Hong Kong has mass adoption of cryptocurrency, unlike in the mainland of China. And I've lived there for uh, 13 months uh, in the mainland. I've also visited Hong Kong. I used to do my visa runs there. 
there. So I love Hong Kong. Actually, I think it's a great place to be. Mainland China, I cannot say the same. Just saying. Also, Canada comes up with the rules for stable coins. If you didn't know, this was breaking news. The Canadian securities administrators have guided exchanges and crypto issuers on the interim approach to what it calls value reference crypto assets. And we also have the UK, uh, strict regulation, adding 143 crypto companies to its warning list. So you have been warned. And it includes major exchanges such as Hobby-owned F or HTX and KuCoin. So not a good look for Justin Sun. But there you have it, fam. Now let's break down our next story of the day and let's discuss what's happening with Ethereum. How many of you are losing confidence in what is happening? Why is Vitalik, why is the Ethereum Foundation dumping vast amounts of Ethereum? Let's break this down before we dive into the latest reports from Fidelity along with their $1 billion Bitcoin price prediction, shall we? So yeah, right now ETH is under attack. According to crypto journalist Colin Wu, an attack extracted around 10,000 from the Ethereum Foundation. And when the organization moved 17, I don't know if they mean 17,000 ETH there or 1,700, I think it's 1,700, um, from Uniswap, the transaction was caught in a sandwich attack. How many of you have heard of that? <laughs> An exchange sandwich attack conducted by a maximal extractable value bot as part of the strategy to profit from fees uh, on the market, on the network. These bots front run other users on the network and exploit the transaction action structure by placing two transactions between the one they're trying to attack. And in this case, this bot placed two transactions between the Ethereum Foundation's ETH operation. The first of these transactions is placed after the bot spots the large ETH transfer, and then the entity sends a similar transaction, paying a larger fee and front-running the foundation. Now, later, the foundation is forced to pay more than the, uh, for the transaction, directly impacting the price of Ethereum. The short boost is captured by the second transaction placed on the bot. And as the report stated, the sandwich attack cost the Ethereum foundation $9,101, and the attack received $4,000 Further data provided by Wu indicates the organization remains one of the largest Ethereum whales. And following their 1,700 ETH sale, the organization holds over 316,000 Ethereum, currently worth just above a half a billion dollars, which is 500 million. The different addresses associated with the foundation hold a total of over $550 million in tokens and stable coins. Here's the wallet right here from the Ethereum Foundation showing you their balance as of today, which is 551 one million plus dollars worth of crypto. Now let's discuss Karma. The Ethereum Foundation placed heavy selling pressure on the ETH spot market, and over the past two years, the organization sent similar transactions worth millions of dollars. While other and many other participants record these transactions, these usually follow suit and increase the selling pressure of the Ethereum price, thus often leading to local tops in the price of Ethereum, uh, Ethereum and a persistent downtrend. As a result, the crypto community frowns upon these transactions. The latest sandwich attack was not significant in size, but it revealed the hostility present to crypto users. One replied to Wu's report, traditionally, they usually sell before the big dumps. FYI, you have been warned. And at this time, ETH price suffers from the short-term effects of the foundation's transactions on market sentiment as the cryptocurrency continues its downwards trend. And as I point out here, Satoshi never moved a single Bitcoin of his 1.1 million BTC stash. Meanwhile, the Ethereum co-founders and the ETH foundation continue dumping vast amounts of ETH, which 
by the way, has an infinite max supply according to CoinMarketCap. And don't take my word for it. I'm going to show you here in real time. Let's go to CoinMarketCap together. You should see it on my screen. We're going to click on Ethereum, right? Then we're just going to scroll down and we're going to check out this market cap. We want to see the data. And you may not be able to see it on the screen, but I can move it over so you can see it, okay? So here you see circulating supply. And if I move my screen to the right, I don't know if that helps you. I'll be able to see what you can see here in a second. But it shows you there is a circulating supply of 120 million ETH. This shows you there is a total supply currently of 120 million ETH. And when you look at the max supply and you look to the right, it shows you an infinity sign, which virtually means there is no max supply to Ethereum, which should have you wondering, why is there no max supply? As we know with Bitcoin, the only truly decentralized cryptocurrency, Bitcoin has a finite limited supply of 21 million coins, meaning there can never be more than 21 million coins in existence. Also consider Satoshi's wallets hold roughly 1.1 million BTC, and then there is considered to be 3 to 4 million lost Bitcoin, which takes us down to like 17 million Bitcoin, which will ever be circulating in existence. Existence, making a true finite limited supply. That's what makes Bitcoin so valuable. You can't print more of it. You know what I mean? It's a deflationary asset. It's a hedge against also inflation. Now, with Ethereum, how could you even compare it as a store value asset knowing there is a infinite supply cap? That's not a good look. So how do you think Ethereum is likely to perform for this market uh, bull cycle? Let me know. Previous two cycles, clearly Ethereum was one of the leaders of the race outperforming Bitcoin. But I think finally, Bitcoin is going to outperform Ethereum as a lot of investors are losing, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Confidence in Ethereum with all that is going on. All of the upgrades, it doesn't seem they fixed anything. The gas fees are still astronomical. You need layer two like Polygon and Matic to make it affordable. And uh, no one really knows what's happening. Why are the founders and the foundations dumping so much ETH? What are your thoughts, fam? Let me know. Do you think Bitcoin is likely to finally outpace Ethereum for this market cycle? I truly do, but I want to know your thoughts in the comments right down below. So let me know. Now let's break down our next story of the day, which is the $1 billion Bitcoin price prediction for one of the top asset managers in the world, which is Fidelity, which currently controls over $4.5 trillion in assets under management. They recently just shared a uh, report. So I first and foremost want to share with you the highlights of the report. As you can see here, shared on X by documenting Bitcoin, Fidelity manages $4.5 trillion with 43 million investors trusting Fidelity. That's a lot of investors investors fam. Now, yesterday they published new research explaining why investors should consider Bitcoin. Here are the 10 key takeaways. Here we go. And shout out to documenting uh, Bitcoin for this uh, good post here on X. Let's see if I can open this baby up. Here we go. Okay, so as they share here, Fidelity finds Bitcoin is the best money. Quoting them from the report, Bitcoin clearly possesses a lot of good qualities of money, combining the scarcity and durability of gold with the ease of use, storage, and transportability of fiat. 
preach so much more uh, superior. And it shows you the comparisons here, gold to Bitcoin, to fiat currency, uh, durability, divisibility, fungible, portable, verifiable, scarce, and the track record, which speaks volumes. Next up, they list Fidelity explains virtuous cycle of Bitcoin, quoting them here. This Bitcoin network competition is likely to result in a winner-take-all scenario as the network grows and becomes more valuable. You know what winner-takes-all means, right? It all goes to zero against Bitcoin. And here's the circle they show, the virtuous circle of reflexivity of Bitcoin. More users and hodlers equals higher demand equals higher prices, more miners, higher security, more attractive and more users and more hodlers. And the cycle continues. And they also share Fidelity compares Bitcoin to the wheel, quoting them here. The invention of the wheel represented an entirely new technology that once invented can never be reinvented. Similarly, never in human history had the problem of peer-to-peer electronic cash been solved until Bitcoin preach as highlighted here in the report. I mean, uh, very powerful. Next, they share Fidelity is amazed that Bitcoin survived. How many of you are amazed that Bitcoin is not dead after all the mainstream reports over the years that Bitcoin has officially died over a thousand times? Quitting them here, every minute, hour, day, and year, the Bitcoin survives, increases its chances of continuing into the future. People would probably underestimate all the negative events that Bitcoin has already endured. Great point. Now let's break down their next uh, point they share. Fidelity provides hard numerical data showing how secure Bitcoin is compared to other coins, quoting them here. In terms of sheer computational power required to alter the network's consensus, Bitcoin far exceeds any remaining proof-of-work competitors. Facts. And as you can see, the 30-day mean hash rate continuing to hit all-time highs. There is no comparison whatsoever, meaning it is the most secure network in the world, and that's what makes the technology so fantastic. You know what I mean? And if you try to attack it, as I shared in an audio from Andreas Antonopoulos, the more powerful the network becomes. So you can't attack it. It's only going to make Bitcoin that much more stronger. Nation states already know this. Next, Fidelity compares Bitcoin to the internet, quoting the report again. The internet protocol suite known as TCP IP is an open source based layer applications on which to be built. Now, owning Bitcoin would be akin to being able to own a base layer of the internet. Now, how many of you would love to own the base layer of the internet. Start stacking those stats, fam. Very powerful comparison. I love that metaphor personally. Next up, Fidelity points out, uh, Bitcoin continues to dominate the market capitalization of all competing currency tokens. That, my friend, is a fact. It's the king for a reason, and it's staging a 51% attack on the altcoins, if you're to ask me. Now, next, they share. Fidelity agrees that Bitcoin is useful, quoting them again. It appears at this point that Bitcoin has found the role in the digital asset ecosystem as a scarce store value asset at the very least. Preach. And there's the final, 10th and final breakdown coming from Fidelity on Bitcoin, they conclude Bitcoin should be considered first and separate from all other digital assets that have followed it. Very well said, fam. So uh, if you want to see this entire report, be sure to check the show notes below the video in the description. Now for Fidelity's $1 billion Bitcoin price prediction by the year 2038. That's right. This was uh, initially shared by Jurian Timmer, and I want to break this down. And if you don't know Jurian Timmer, he is the director of Global Macro at Fidelity 
he put forth the notion, first, that Bitcoin has the potential to reach a value of $1 billion per coin in roughly two decades, send it, let's go, specifically around the year 2038. And to support his forecast, Timmer employed a combination of models and charts with a particular focus on the stock-to-flow model and his own demand model. These analytical tools formed the foundation of his primary prediction. And as you can see here, it shows you the Bitcoin supply and demand models, showing the annual and monthly data, sources coming from Bloomberg, as well as Plan B, creator of the Bitcoin stock to flow model. Now, this above demand model employs Metcalf's law, and according to the number of its users growing linearly, a network's value grows geometrically. This means that the utility and adoption of Bitcoin are expected to grow more rapidly compared to its network of users, exchanges, ATMs, and participating retailers. Therefore, this model predicted the Bitcoin price will reach $1 million by 2030. And I want to stop right there because we all know this prediction. We've heard it before. Plan B has been anticipating a $1 million Bitcoin price as per the stock to flow. And he says Bitcoin is likely to be somewhere between $100,000 and $1 million post Bitcoin halving 2024. Obviously, that's a very wide gap. But interestingly, that's right in alignment with Jurian Timmer, head of Global Macro at Fidelity. But here, my friend, is where things get very interesting with his price prediction model. So let's break this baby down shall we? Here we go. So yeah, this is the uh, the chart right there. Now, in contrast, Timmer's stock-to-flow supply model notes the event of significant price surges during each halving event, which we all know. Consequently, when considering this model in conjunction with the other factors, it foresees the price of Bitcoin ranging from $1 million to $10 million for Bitcoin by the year 2030. So a factor of 10x more than Plan B's stock-to-flow model. Now, Timmer's demand model is more inclined towards reflecting the bottom of the Bitcoin price. And on the other hand, the stock-to-flow model seems to provide a better approximation for the peak of the king coin. However, it's worth noting that the disparity between these two models widens significantly beyond the year 2030. Again, here's where it gets interesting. The reason behind this gap is expected to be changing the value of the dollar. That's why it's so astronomical. Timmer proposes that the value of the dollar undergoes fluctuations over time when compared to other assets. For instance, uh, if $1 was invested in stocks during the 18th century, its present-day value would be about $4 billion. Now, similarly, Timmer implied that if $1 million is invested today, it can grow to $1 billion in a span of 20 years. Due to inflation, fam, the melting ice cube, as Michael Saylor described money sitting in the bank as. Now, this further revealed that the purchasing power of the dollar had significantly reduced due to factors like inflation and depreciation. Thus, Timmer's statement implied that keeping a fixed amount of dollars for many years may lead to reduced purchasing power due to the assets changing value. And over the last few years, an increasing number of companies are taking over the $1 trillion market cap. And as a result, it's foreseeable that in the next 20 years, the concept of a trillion-dollar valuation will become more common, so much so that individuals themselves could be worth a trillion dollars or more. This scale of numbers may even reach the quadrillion range. Who do you think is likely to become the first trillionaire in the world? If I was a betting man, I'd throw it on CZ. He's currently the richest man in crypto. Maybe Michael Saylor, the CEO or founder of MicroStrategy, which currently controls over 157,000 BTC. We also have Barry Silbert, the owner of Genesis, which is the parent company of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which currently controls over 600,000 BTC. These are all great candidates, but I do believe that the wealth of Elon Musk and uh, you know the the elite uh, dollar 
uh, you know, gods of the realm, uh, the Warren Buffets, the Charlie Mungers, they're all going to be overtaken, I believe, by those in crypto, especially as the Bitcoin price continues on the rise. But what are your thoughts? Who do you feel will become the first trillionaire in the world? Let me know your thoughts in the comments right down below. So is this milestone still achievable for Bitcoin? Well, despite Bitcoin's historical growth, it had recently faced a significant setback. Bitcoin's network activity had diminished, but hey, we're actually back reaching uh, all-time highs as far as the hash rate is concerned, and the uh, network difficulty adjustment continues to do what it does best, and ultimately, there's no stopping it. So although Timmer's prediction may be considered far-fetched and lack empirical evidence, it doesn't completely dismiss the possibility of Bitcoin reaching such levels as $1 billion per coin. The concept of de-dollarization has gained stature, shifting global attention towards alternative currencies. This shift in focus is expected to drive the demand for assets like gold and crypto and Bitcoin. And with BRICS pushing for the fall of the dollar, the BRICS currency and Bitcoin are expected to continue to garner momentum. You're damn right. So how high do you think the Bitcoin price is likely to climb by the year 2038? Do you think that $1 billion per coin can be a potential reality? Let me know your honest thoughts in the comments right down below. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in the live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode. Episode. Hoddle.